You're listening to The Boz Show, the socially conscious podcast for leaders. All right, Adam, welcome to The Boz Show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So you're the vice president for human IT. Uh, Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, So one of the, you know, as we move into the digital world, one of the biggest issues we have is the folks that are not digitally connected. Um, If you think about all the things that we do on a computer, we wouldn't be having this conversation, of course, but um, on a more fundamental level, you know, it's something north of 80% of high school students have homework on the computer, um, college applications, developing resumes. I mean, when's the last time you, you kind of walked your resume into someone's office and handed it to them. Um, So we, we try to affect that problem by providing um, computers, high-speed internet, digital literacy training, and uh, tech support to low-income households and communities. Um, and we do that by repurposing corporate tech. Mm-hmm. So we work with folks like um, like UCLA and, and, and or corporations and things like that all over the country, really, to take in their old computers. We give them all the business services that they need, um, the HIPAA-compliant data wipes, mm-hmm. uh, reporting, um, diversion rates for those sustainability folks out there. Um, and then we were able to leverage those devices to get back into the communities. So how, how does that process work as far as increasing digital literacy in a community for so many people that have been, you know, out of the game for so long, they haven't touched a computer, you know, maybe this past year in the pandemic was the first time that they even, you know, went online, you know, how's that experience? Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right. And it's scary. People are scared of the unknown. So um, our pro, our digital literacy program actually is geared to specifically for those folks that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right? It's for folks that are really, really not comfortable with a computer, probably haven't used one maybe ever, or if not, you know, not to any meaningful level. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are so many awesome programs out there that do workforce development and upskilling and resume building and all of these these things. But, you know, when someone doesn't is just not comfortable using the device, um, that's where we stepped in and that's where we saw a gap. So our, our program is really, you know, teaches you how to use the mouse, you know, don't lift the mouse up off the desk, you push it forward to go up, right? Those little things um, that folks may not know. So straight um, from scratch. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's very rudimentary. Um, it's actually really cool. It's grant funded in California. Mm-hmm. So it, it's free to California residents, which is awesome. Um, and uh, and then, w- then when they're done with that program, you know, they're ready to go onto that resume workshop or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How long, how long does that process generally take for people? Do they, you know, can they pick it up within a few weeks or does it take a long time for them to figure it out? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, pre-pandemic, we were doing it live with, a, with an assistant, you know, in a computer mm-hmm. lab. Um, but it's an eight-hour self-paced course, really. Mm-hmm. So it takes as long as it takes. Um, and they yeah. can always go back and revisit um, and check it out again because once they have that, that login, they're there um, pretty much for good. So once they're, so after these eight hours, they're, fairly decent on the computer they can type and search and all of that stuff yeah they should know how everything works what uh, what where do you see the biggest skill gap when it comes to digital literacy um in the united states you know i think the rest of the world um there's a huge gap in the u.s people still have a struggle you know figuring out where exactly the gaps are yeah it's it depends on what perspective you come from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. So from the educational piece, um, we, we see students who are educating their parents on how to use the computer just to get them online, mm-hmm. right? So they can complete their homework. Um, I, I think 
personally, I think it's a, the gap for me is not exactly in a skill. It's in the education of why the resource is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks have, you know, they're 50, 60 years old. They hadn't needed it before. Um, they got by just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the education on why it's important and how much time it can save them and how much benefit it, it will provide to them and their family. Uh, I think that's where the gap really lies. Yeah. I mean, I think this, um, you know, it's really interesting before, before the pandemic, how people still applied for jobs, right? Just that process of applying for jobs. So many people still mailed in a resume. They had a, you know, the phone call and everything. And to one extent, it almost, I think, I think they also had a, uh, had a, uh, they were a little ahead of the game with, with uh, as far as being able to do the phone call, reach them with paper. And while everyone else is doing the, do, do, uh, doing the application online, they're still standing out. Do you think that's correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, to a degree, but it's also the fear from their employer then, right? That, well, if they can't submit their resume online, can they perform the job function? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think it's I think it's going to be over 80 percent of jobs by 2025 are going to require some sort of digital literacy or digital skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that number was 77 percent for 2021. And here we are in 2021. And, you know, it's yeah. just going to increase. What What are those skills uh, that, that people are looking for nowadays beyond, you know, just checking email and things like that? Yeah. It, punching clock it's sometimes on the computer now. Right. It's mm-hmm. not a physical machine where you go put a punch card in. Right. Or. Um, you, you know, you mentioned emails and being able to be self-sufficient in finding resources. Um, so even Googling a simple fix or using an internal system, mm-hmm. right. For whatever that is, um, depending on the job function, even if you're like a mechanic, you have to order parts, right. Mm-hmm. Or you have to requisition. And there, you know, there's so many different things that are now done online. Um, that I think there's just some, that basic knowledge has to still be there. As, uh, as far as the skills that are growing, um, from my understanding, it, it seems like digital marketing is a skill that's going to continuously grow uh, because of the because of how many things are going online. Advertising is online, e-commerce is online. Um, do you see that? Is that the path that things are going down? Yeah, I mean that's definitely a big piece of it. And I mean, if you talk talk about digital marketing, look at social media, right? That is, in a sense, digital marketing. And mm-hmm. um, you know, these twelve year olds are on TikTok making making videos, and and they're marketing themselves. They're building their own brand, really, if mm-hmm. you if you think about it. <laughs> um, and, and for the better or for worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that it's definitely important. And, and you know, I know. Um, as, as someone who hires folks, you know, I look at your social media footprint mm-hmm. when, when you're applying for a job. So, you know, being able to curate that brand and understand it and safety is also a piece of it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, understanding, you know, those, those Nigerian print scams when those yeah. emails come through, especially if you're new, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because they're making those things look really real and a lot of people still fall for that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about the, the idea of, your digital footprint, you know, as far as creating your, uh, your online persona, you know, we know a lot of young kids are, you know, they have TikTok profiles and they do, they're doing a lot of interesting creative stuff, but they're also, uh, testing the boundaries. Um, how do you, how do you make an accurate judgment? Um, as far as being able to understand, you know, what someone is on social media? Yeah, it, I mean, it's tough, right? I think just understanding context is important. Mm-hmm. 
for my side. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a very heavy social media user aside from my LinkedIn. <laughs> so um, probably the probably not the best person to ask. But from someone who evaluates it, you know, understanding that, you know, maybe TikTok is for silly videos, mm-hmm. right? And LinkedIn is for more serious things. Um, and understanding the context of the platform in which the person's uh, participating. Nice. So um, tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing um, within communities. I know, I know you're yeah. increasing digital literacy in low-income communities. How has that process been like? And, and maybe you can tell me how, where the idea came from. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we can start with the idea. Um, it's really, you know, our founders, uh, almost nine years ago now, mm-hmm. really just saw two problems. And it's kind of, in their eyes, it was one, right? As we move into the digital age, we have more and more electronics being purchased and therefore disposed of, mm-hmm. right? We're, the U.S. disposes about 150,000 computers every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, it grows, the waste stream nation, internationally, rather, uh, grows 4% year over year. We're at 112 mm-hmm. billion pounds of e-waste just the, every year. That's the entire footprint of Manhattan. Right? E, that e-waste is computers that are left over and phones. Yeah. Like, no, that's what that is. Headphones, servers, MRI machines, you know, any, anything um, electronic um, that is no longer being used and needs to be disposed of. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of that still ends up in a landfill. Um, I think 85% of it is still landfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the this, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar recycling industry is only taking 15% um, of worldwide e-waste, which is a, and a, a really small number, honestly. Um, and then you have a lot of, a lot of the toxic chemicals uh, are significant. So 70% of all toxic waste is, is e-waste in the form of e-waste. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one major problem. And the other major problem is what we just, you know, spent a couple minutes talking about here, mm-hmm. right? We, digital skills are important um, and connectivity is important in more ways than just, you know, for, for workforce training, mm-hmm. right? For education, um, and for so many different things. So we just really saw it as a supply and demand issue, right? There's demand for these devices over here and there's supply that's being wasted over here, right? So that's why, that's how human IT was really created, um, creating one solution uh, for both problems. That's, that's interesting. What, what would you do? Um, I understand the headphones and the, and the computers. What would you do with the MRI machine? Are you guys training people how to use the MRI machine too? Or? So we, we stay in our lane <laughs> to some degree. Um, we do what we do best so our, our partners can do what they do best. Um, so that looks like monetizing those types mm-hmm. of devices. And that's why, you know, we are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 mm-hmm. and we don't rely on grant funding. No, we love grant funding. Don't get me wrong. We'll take it. Um, but uh, we don't rely on it. If we didn't get any grant funding um, free, if we stopped getting grant funding today, we would be solvent pretty much moving forward. Um, we'd have to scale back some things, but it's not, it wouldn't be a major, uh, it's not so a crushing this is where your revenue comes from and from, from the e-waste aspect. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And it, it aligns with our values of promoting reuse, mm-hmm. right? We're selling that MRI machine, um, probably cost 20 grand new. We're probably selling it for two, mm-hmm. right? So small business, small hospital, uh, maybe, maybe that classroom that is training them on how to use it. Um, uh, it's getting that machine for much, much lower price um, than they would have to spend to buy something new. So. So you guys essentially, I mean, e-waste is huge. You take all of this and then it's like Goodwill, you know, you have these Goodwill boxes with, with, with clothes. You guys are basically taking technology. Um, how do you manage all of it? I mean, that's, that's a lot, right? If people or companies are getting rid of all of their technology, where do you guys store it? And how do you basically see what works for you or doesn't? Yeah, uh, we have, we've refined the process over the, over so many years. 
Um, we have two facilities um, currently. So we have one in Los Angeles and one in Detroit. Mm-hmm. and devices go into those as soon as an item gets there our inventory team uh, pulls the hard drive out and then that hard drive is separated um, goes into our um, our IT refurbishment area and which is locked um, it's, it's actually double locked it's two doors uh, between the storage and the and the warehouse at large so um, data is safe data security is you know number one thing that we're concerned about when we're working with our partners who donate tech Right. Um, we provide certificates of data destruction. We can provide individualized, serialized certificates for every single hard drive that comes in or, you know, or device if it's not a hard drive separate. Um, and then that inventory team, they'll take a look uh, once they pull the hard drives and they'll evaluate the items and determine where they go. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'll go one of two places. Well, one of three, really. Um, number one, computers, laptops, tablets go to our refurbishing and processing teams mm-hmm. where they will determine um, well, they'll start testing them, make sure they work, um, and then reinstall the hard drive once it's been wiped, reinstall any operating system or you know any anything that's relevant there. Mm-hmm. And those will be used to get out back out into the community, mm-hmm. right? Um, the other place that it would go is if it's an enterprise piece of technology, which is what we call those MRI machines mm-hmm. and servers and, and anything that really isn't useful to a household. Mm-hmm. Um, those go to our... Um, our inventory or our processing team, and they'll test those again, um, test for power, make sure all the keys work, um, all the buttons work, and uh, if it's a copier, run some paper through it, whatever it, whatever it needs to be done to make sure it works. And then they'll figure out, you know, what is an appropriate price for that item, and then what is the appropriate uh, place, to sell marketplace for it. That's, um, fasc- generally- that, that, that's fascinating. I mean, it's just, um, it seems like we have a lack of resources in the world and it just makes sense to be, to be able to do this, right? If there's so much technology that there's a huge technology gap in the United States, first of all, but in many parts of the world, but it just, you just kind of wonder why isn't anyone thinking about just reusing the stuff that we waste? Yeah. It's, and unfortunately the answer is because it's hard. <laughs> um, it's hard to do it well. It's hard to do it right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's taken a lot of slow scaling on our side. Um, and we really, you know, we, we were very, very um, conscious about how we scaled and not moving too fast, making sure we were able to do it right. And then, you know, probably 2019, we really hit our, the hockey stick section of our curve, if you will. Um, and we're able to, to scale quickly now that all the systems were in place and functioning correctly and functioning in a way that we were happy with. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Is, is there, is there a particular reason you guys went the nonprofit route versus like uh, a corporation, like a for-profit? Um, that was before my time uh, with the company, but it, it has a lot of advantages. Um, mm-hmm. the, the fundraising, um, it gets us into rooms mm-hmm. um, as well. Uh, the, the real detriment to it, well, not a real detriment, but one of the detriments that we're seeing is capital, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, we have no ownership, so we can't um, get any uh, venture funding or any kind of investment in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, but aside from that, you know, it really allows us to operate with our mission more in mind, mm-hmm. um, than we would otherwise, we, we would have to answer to stakeholders and show growth and, and all of those things, right. We're able to really be mission aligned. Um, I don't have to, you know, one of the things that we started doing and we'll likely get to in a little bit here is, um, we provide devices to schools and other nonprofits and governments, right. Um, and I don't have to you know, rely on or be tied to margin requirements, mm-hmm. right? We just, we slap a, 
whatever it takes us to handle the device on there mm-hmm. and that's it right it, it, there's no there's no negotiating there's no haggling we don't do that right and there's no percentage it's not percentage based it's this is the amount that it took us to get this item ready to go back out and that's mm-hmm. what it is right so that's that gives us a lot of a lot of power in that sense um to to get the lowest price to those schools because ultimately the mission is still to connect those low-income folks mm-hmm. right so if if i had a margin i was tied to and had to sell the device for 50 dollars more than i want to mm-hmm. and you know over however many devices that's however many students can no longer be connected because there's budgets involved in, in a lot of these purchases so um that's one of the great things about being a nonprofit. Uh, i mean that, that is interesting and I, and I do think that's um that's important to have that nonprofit focus because I feel like if someone wanted to uh, and they weren't a nonprofit, you can go wild with this, right? You could, you can, you can make a whole lot of money and uh, you know, not, not even think about the people that you're trying to serve. Right. Um, if you weren't a nonprofit, tell me about that uh, experience with the schools. You know, the last year was the pandemic. Many schools were out of school, out of computers, and mm-hmm. uh, it was difficult for, you know, communities to pivot. Uh, how how has your engagement been in that process? Yeah, I mean, we've always been in that space. Um, providing devices at scale wasn't something that we did until actually September 2019, mm-hmm. uh, when we were involved in Mary Garcetti's LA College Promise, mm-hmm. where we provided, I think it ended up being just over 6,000 um, wow. devices to the incoming students for the LA Community Colleges. Mm-hmm. And that was part of, I think he covered partial, partial or all of tuition for the two-year program as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was part of that. And that was our first foray right into mm-hmm. understanding what bulk purchasing looks like. It's very different mm-hmm. from the hundred piece distributions we used to do right with city council members or with nonprofits you know, across the country. Um, but, you know, because we were around and because we were providing connectivity, which is another piece of what we do in California mm-hmm. um, and across the country. But in California, we act as kind of caseworkers for somebody calls in and says, I need Internet. And we find them the best, cheapest Internet in their area. Right. So we were doing that with the schools. So when the, the pandemic hit and everybody went remote, mm-hmm. uh, they turned to us and said, hey, you know, we need computers and we're going to need a lot more uh, connectivity solutions probably as well. Um, so, we, you know, we were well positioned to, to have that ask. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, being who we are and kind of that startup mentality, we we pivoted and we, we're flexible. Right. So. We definitely got everything that we had in stock went pretty quickly, um, and we found other sources um, to get that technology. And besides just our traditional donation-based um, stream, how do you uh, how do you get people internet? Uh, I know I know there you know people have uh, connectivity issues, especially bandwidth. It seems like I've heard mm-hmm. so many stories of children that had to share Wi-Fi connection within their same household with you know, five other siblings and, you know, it was a challenge to even get on the internet. You know, how do you increase um, accessibility when it comes to just internet? Yeah, it, it's a tough question. Um, we see that a lot. So in California, we're funded to um, provide them the connection with anybody. So mm-hmm. whether it's Frontier, Charter, Spectrum, Time Warner, um, whoever it is, uh, we can do that to any with anyone um in california so we make sure that they have the best connection and and we like i said we're kind of like digital caseworkers the mm-hmm. term in the industry is um digital navigators uh you'll hear that um if you're in if you're uh involved at all mm-hmm. uh and what that really means is that we talk to them we say how many children do you have mm-hmm. are they all on video calls all day and we understand what speeds they're going to need mm-hmm. so we're able to connect them with the appropriate um, provider and plan 
at the lowest cost to them. And then we also, our team will sit on the phone to make sure they're not upsold into something higher. Because if they only have one student, mm-hmm. right, and it's just mom and, and one student maybe, then they don't need that really robust plan. And, you know, the ISPs, the inner service providers are trained to, you know, upsell. And, and a lot of times um, it works. So we, we want to make sure that that connectivity is not a financial burden mm-hmm. on the family. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. So you guys are part of that process. So they're not mm-hmm. getting way more, paying for way more than they actually need. Right. Interesting. So post, um, you know, post pandemic, as we're coming out of this, um, where is sort of your attention and focus on, uh, uh, on the skills gap right now? I mean, do you, some schools are going back online, some aren't. Um, where do you see the future heading? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, before the pandemic, a lot of schools were already moving into a one-to-one device model, device mm-hmm. student model. Um, so I, I think that this accelerated that adoption. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to see that continue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the Just because students are going back to school, it doesn't mean the issues aren't still there, right? Connectivity is still a big issue. Um, we know we've seen stories and we've seen pictures for that matter of, you know, students sitting on the benches outside of McDonald's so they can get Mm -hmm. the free Wi-Fi to do their homework. Right. But even before the pandemic, that was happening. Yeah. Right. Or you had the issue where I work with a lot of um, sports teams Mm -hmm. just to the nature of uh, being communities and they all work in the communities that they're in Mm -hmm. and their initiatives are really based around play, right. Get Mm -hmm. out, play our sport, right. We want you to play our sport, the next generation and all that. Um, and you can't play high school sports if you have to spend that after school time in the library in a, doing your homework because you don't have it at home, right? It's all, it's all connected really to that connectivity piece and, mm-hmm. and success, right? I mean, I was reading before, before we started here, I just saw that some study pop up where 62% of students who don't have internet at home admit that they just don't do homework sometimes because they can't. Mm. And instead of, you know, staying after school and, and giving up whatever that is, they just don't do it. And that 62% is a large, large number. Yeah. And the difference between letter grades, you know, we did a study ourselves with our recipients where 94% of folks who got a computer a year later increased their grades by a letter, right? That means that's college. That's, that's, that could be a scholarship. That could be so much. And I think, I think over the past decade, people have not thought about this early on. I mean, I think when YouTube first popped up as a resource and, you know, people started needing more computers and stuff. I don't think, I think it was a sort of an afterthought for many school districts and many communities. Mm -hmm. They just didn't know it was going to even be this big of a thing when, when students started getting phones and classes and being able to use the internet on your phone, you know, students have a huge, people that do have access have a huge advantage uh, over others. Right. Yeah. And we see that. And, and I mean, listen, a computer is not the only factor, mm-hmm. but the difference in annual earnings between someone who has a bachelor's degree and someone who doesn't is around $25,000 a year. Yeah. Right. That is significant for a family. If you're the first one to go to college and now you can't or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, it's such an important resource nowadays. It, it's just a shame to see it's still overlooked sometimes. So your, your focus post pandemic uh, is just continuing the work that you've you've sort of established in the past year? Yeah, really continuing what we've done, not only in the past year, but in the past eight years, mm-hmm. right? Continuing to evolve our digital literacy training to keep up um, adding more platforms to that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then continuing to work with schools, mm-hmm. right? We are able to provide discounted 
um, equipment, mm-hmm. right, uh, on the refurb side because of our stream. Mm-hmm. And we're also able to provide new. I, we have partnerships with Lenovo and HP and, and a lot of, of the, the major players around there as well. So we're, you know, we're in the same um, boat as like a CDW uh, or an Insight or somebody like that, right? We're, we're kind of at that same level. Do, do you focus, is your, what, what are your focus areas? Is it just in the United States or there's other parts of the world that you've, you've sort of tapped into? Yeah, currently it's just the U.S. Uh, we do a little bit of work in Canada, but customs and certain things can make that a little tricky, especially on the waste side, because Canada doesn't let waste out. And, you know, there's a certain, there's a number of things around that. And California doesn't like letting waste in either. <laughs> um, so there, there's a number of things um, that, that are barriers, but we're, we're primarily focused in the U.S. And working with schools, community colleges are another big one um, that they understand the value of, of the device um, because, you know, people on a two-year program, community college students are very rarely full-time students, mm-hmm. right? So they need to do a lot of work at home or, or on the go or whatever that is. So this, um, you know, this, this summer, you know, I, I have a nonprofit in San Bernardino and every year we do, for example, a backpack giveaway and school supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say there should be another item in there that's a really core item that we should, that everyone should start thinking about? Is it laptops, mini laptops or something or yeah, I think I think that's extremely important. Uh, we've partnered with a number of folks who do these types of giveaways, mm-hmm. and we'll do the flyer, right? A lot of found a lot of folks aren't funded to provide that, you know, 130, 40, or even you know, brand new devices, which are a lot more, mm-hmm. um, to add that in there. But we can provide a flyer, and and the families can go. We have a we have an online store um, for low income individuals, governments, nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, and educational entities, and we just provide that flyer on there or in that backpack, right? So they can go and they can get, they can get a computer for 120 bucks. They can get a, or a Chromebook rather. Mm-hmm. They can get a desktop for 50 bucks, right? If that's something that they need, right? We can at least provide them with the resource to do that. And, and they, they do this online or how do they get access to the computer? Where do they go to, to pick them up? Yeah, our web store is, um, it's mobile friendly. Uh, understanding that if you don't have a computer, you're going to have trouble going to a web store. Mm-hmm. But uh, most people are phone savvy. Um, mm-hmm. Mobile penetration is over 95% in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're confident that folks can do it there. Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes it easy to upload, you know, whatever document that that low-income proof is. So you just mm-hmm. snap a picture of it right there, um, upload it. Uh, you can buy it there. And then it, shipping is included. So we'll ship it anywhere in the U.S. Uh, nice. That's amazing. Um my, my, my final question to you is um, around this idea of um, sustainability. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. We have so many conversations in the United States and, you know, LinkedIn, people are talking about, we need to be more in the sustainability realm. And this, this seems like where it's going with, in the work that you're doing. Uh, so just uh, share a little bit about that field and how you feel uh, we need to be more involved in that, in that realm. Yeah. I mean, this is all about sustainability. Right. Um, if you look at the academic definition, sustainability includes social, economic, and environmental pieces to it. But just on the environmental side, right, reuse is always better than recycling, which is always better than just trash. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping items in their highest, best use is really should be our goal. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I like to tell a, a story um, of when you talk about plastics. Right. Mm-hmm. Every time you recycle the plastic, it's less hard, mm-hmm. or it's less, you know. Um, it's not able to be made back into that same level, right? So a bicycle helmet turns into your laptop, turns into a Coke bottle, Mm -hmm. turns into a plastic bag, right? You can never go back from those Mm -hmm. pieces. So it's important to keep them in each stage as long as you can, 
right? And the emissions associated with just on the electronic side, mm -hmm. taking these items apart, separating the metals from the plastics, from the minerals, from the batteries, right? Melting all of that down. It's extremely emissions heavy mm -hmm. um, process. And you're from the economic side, you're netting out less. A computer is worth more. You know, if we talk about that, that income differential, right? A computer can be worth $25,000 a year to somebody, yeah. right? If, if that's what they needed to get into school. Whereas when you take it to a recycler, it's probably worth like 30 cents a pound. Mm -hmm. So, so when, when you look at the math on that and you look at the overall sustainability can be profitable and, and can be equitable. We just have to work to make it so. It's amazing because people, you know, many people just throw away computers not even thinking about, you know, what else could be done with it? You know, it's like right. you have an old Mac, it just sits around for, you know, for years. Yeah. And I, we've, we're, we welcome, you know, donations of all types from, from folks um, cleaning out their garages, but mm -hmm. we primarily work with corporations. You know, if your garage has five computers in it, imagine how much the IT room at your office, at your office does. Yeah. Um, Right. So that's primarily where we work. And we, you know, we offer those tax benefits and, and those business services as well. So the corporations that we work with, um, as well as, you know, governments and nonprofits really do appreciate that kind of work. Yeah. Well, that's amazing work, Adam. I really appreciate your time. You know, thank you for being on the Boz show. And if anyone connect with you, you're on LinkedIn and uh, I believe it's humanit.com. Dot org. Human-i-t.org. Awesome. Oh, or just Google us. Just cool. We're easy to find. That's usually the way to go. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Uh, I appreciate your time, Adam. We'll connect soon. All right. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to The Boz Show. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share.